0: How is, uh, how is your wife doing?
1: Um, I left her up with the screaming baby. So she's thrilled with me.
0: <laughs> no, no.
1: Um, she's doing great. She's doing great. Uh, poor Everly has a rash on the old butt. It, uh, kind of killed me to see it, which is, which was unexpected, I guess. So hooray for fatherhood. Your heart gets torn at the sight of a butt rash. I uh while we are waiting I do want to thank everyone on Patreon who and I especially this is going to sound weird I really want to thank the people who have stopped supporting us. Um there's a lot of people who have because of, you know, uh COVID and yeah. other reasons and and, and um, becoming
0: a nun and joining our religious Becoming a order. nun. How yeah. How cool oh my that? gosh.
1: Yeah, and just and just and just like life and stuff. So um and I totally, I really, there's a few times when people stop us where, stop supporting where I do uh, die inside. But for the most part, you know, I, I know it's always for some type of a reason. And and like, even if it is because you think we suck, uh, I really appreciate the support. We truly, truly do. And I just want to thank everyone, um, especially those who, you know, have left, just for um, your support. And this is not a plea. This is just, honest, just an honest, heartfelt thank you. And I have nothing but love and gratitude for everyone. And I know that these are hard, crazy times. And, you know, we, um, you know, we, we, we lost probably the most um, patrons that like we've ever lost. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Cause we're, we are incredibly blessed to be able to keep doing this. And we're just really grateful for all of you guys. So please know that you're in our prayers and uh, we're just so we are, inc- I just to be able to call you guys, um, our friends it's just it's just incredible and you know to be honest when i see the majority of stuff on patreon and i look at them and people like we have i'm just blown away so thank you again to everyone unlike like my mom who wants to continue to give but doesn't understand how to increase their giving that's fine don't worry about it mom uh i just truly truly from the bottom of of our hearts uh we thank you because this has been a godsend for us, especially right now when our, our live shows and ads are kind of down and other stuff because of everything Go that on. is going on yeah. to have you guys this um, support. This is not a plea for more people to help us either. This is just, I really want you guys. I really hope this comes across as just a heartfelt thank you. Thank you for helping me buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell the kids what we're about to do here?
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Luke and I have walked through every one of the Harry Potter books as I finish them. Don't and stop listening yet. Keep just stay with us. Yeah, stay with us. Um, And it's been a delightful little 20-minute segment throughout each of the shows every so often. Um, The last couple episodes we didn't do um, because, well, craziness. Again, Luke is on his cell phone instead of, you know, chilling at the computer because of insert baby, insert work, insert COVID. So we have all these things where we haven't reviewed the last two books. And uh, I went ahead and got the audiobook because I've been painting upstairs in my house for hours and hours and putting chalkboard paint you have to do multiple layers all this stuff don't worry my four year old destroyed it the day he got back um, <laughs> Yeah, li- literally took a putty knife the corner of a putty knife and gouged a hole in the wall right in the middle of the chalkboard <laughs> it's, no it's fine it's fine I'm breathing I've learned how to forgive I, I would have said
1: so many bad words Oh, uh,
0: I did oh I did <laughs> I
1: it's time to learn why daddy's podcast has an e-tag on it <laughs> yeah.
0: so that being said, um, there were a handful of things that um, – there were a handful of things that came together that really uh, nailed it for me when I read through the last two books. So what was it? Half-Blood Prince. Well, can, and, yes. Yeah. Can we hold off for
1: just a second here? Yes. What do you need? Because I want to add this. Okay. As I walk past a barking dog. Perfect time, Luke. Uh, If you're not a fan of the Harry Potter books Or you don't care about when we talk about culture Listen to this episode Because I think you're going to find it interesting Like it's not going to be Like our review of the MCU Or something Where if you're not interested in that stuff You just go I'm going to skip this I think this is actually going to be pretty fascinating If we can pull this off So I would encourage you to give this episode a try If when we do some of the pop culture stuff that's not really your bag. That's all I want to say.
0: Okay, nice. So here are the five things that... Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Massive spoiler alert. Like, spoiler horn. Yeah, this is, this is the... This toot is toot. The, yeah, toot. Yeah, toot toot. As the, the loop says.
1: <laughs> the whole books. Uh, we're spoiling uh, the books of uh, the films, all of it.
0: You've your, been warned. Your friends, so. your family, everything. Okay, so... Uh, log in to my Bible account. Okay, so <clears throat> when we started this saga, it was with our friend uh, Rebecca. She came on the show and says how she reads it every uh, every year. She goes through the Harry Potter books, a little few pages here, a few pages there, whatever. It's like an old friend or uh, uh, an old sweatshirt that she gets all cozy in. That's what the books were to her. Now I had never read the books. Instead, I'm a huge Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings fan. So I love. English fantasy fairy tale writing, but I've never dived into Harry Potter because I'm a devout Roman Catholic and that's the devil. So my whole life, I would go and see the movies because I thought, oh, maybe if there is anything evil, they've kind of dumbed it down for the kids, the kids. And so I justify going to the movies. And then when I was in the movies, I was more or less confused, lost, bored by them because I never read the books. And to my same criticism that holds up to me reviewing the movies now. They do not, or they only presume you've read the books. And I understand why. They sold 325 million copies. I get it. Um, I I don't don't know if I would agree that they presume that you have
1: read them. I just think that uh, they were, I don't think, I think they really, they weren't bold. I I guess you said that they didn't. I don't think they were bold enough to try to make it interesting on its
0: own. Fair enough. Fair enough. Either way, I felt like the editing was choppy and it felt like, before i watch, read the story and after i read the story after i read it my brain filled in the choppiness and i was like oh i know why that oh i know why this but before i saw it I was like what the heck they're like jumping from scene to scene they didn't even explain what I... so that's why i say that there, there felt this element of choppiness of jump 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 and it just felt like they assumed you already knew what the heck was going on so yeah one was rebecca had mentioned that J.K. Rowling, before she wrote the book and while she wrote the book, she did an intense study on medieval history and a lot of stuff that, uh, it, and that are, it just found throughout the novels. And I was like, okay, so I get it. These silly children's stories have some historical stuff to it. Neat. That's awesome. I like that. Then, uh, uh, and shout out to my buddy Chris, my best friend Chris Miller, right when he heard that we were best doing friend. this. What, what, better than you. Right when he heard that, my friend, my friend Chris Miller, when he heard yeah, that we yeah, were doing we this, he immediately reached out to me was like, dude, I don't think you should do that. Father Gabriel Armuth condemned it. And so I went through and I said these things like, hey, here are the arguments against that. Like, I, I don't, I've read the first book and the magic is so silly. It is ridiculous to think that it's inculcating kids to Satan any more than um than chronicles of narnia like people literally turn to witchcraft because of chronicles of narnia is that the intention no but people want to justify okay so whatever i'm an adult i can read this stuff i can filter this stuff and i'm not tempted to to sorcery okay so but then he sent me something that i had no idea about it was a picture of a tattoo on her arm that said "solve" with a plus sign coagula in Latin, I'm like, coagula? Coagulate? Solway? Save? What is that? So I didn't know what it was, and he sent me a link to an article that said, it's the tattoo on uh, Basfamat's arms, which is a demon he- or goat-headed demon in the Church of Satan. And one said, says Solway, and the other one says um, coagula on his arms, the so left and right arm. And he goes, you know, and and he made a comment about that. And then I never brought it up because Chris really knows how to twist the knife. And so I just avoid him. I just avoid him. He's going to listen to this episode, Chris. We love he, you, Chris. Yeah, you know how to Chris, do. Chris, we had a great chat on the bus during Gomer's wedding. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. I mean, you did. So, okay, so those two things. She knows a lot about medieval history. She knows a lot about or she has this weirdo tattoo. And then remember two weeks ago when me and you were recording and I was telling you about all the other books I was listening while I was painting. And one of them was on, you know, Neil Postman, Technopoly, all that stuff about amusing ourselves to death. And I read you uh, or I recited a quote about medieval alchemists. And it was like, the sun is gold. And so it's gold impregnates the earth. And you were like, what the hell? Do you remember that vaguely at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So that is so crazy. So I've listened to four Neil Postman audiobooks, and he's all about how modern technology is warping our minds, and he has these really fascinating things about it. But the whole idea of reading a pre-scientific, pre-printing press book from an alchemist was like the most bizarre thing. He's like, do you see how what the scientific method did? And now we're getting away from rational, logical, sequential thinking that the printed word creates in our minds. Blah, blah, blah. So it's a whole thing. Well, that was in my head. So and then her use of Latin and her total familiarity with the Latin language, and she's very um, powerful in the Latin la- – or not powerful, but she, she knows the Latin words and then gussies them mm-hmm. up as the spells. And so that's one of the things that I loved about Harry Potter was because – I don't know if you were ever told this, Luke, but the idea was avoid movies that use witchcraft because sometimes Hollywood people will literally use real – Demonic incantations or whatever, or real curses in the movie. So, like every so often, like I, I'm I'm not a little stitious, but I am superstitious. So I'll like mute the audio if I'm watching something with magic. Who right. did you steal that line from? It's from The Office. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious.
2: Little stitious. Okay. Yeah. okay. But uh,
0: so I, I I I to this day I will do that if I'm watching like ooh it's scary movie. And here's a bad guy and he's gonna get killed. But then they like start doing some weirdo incantation in some weird language. I'll like. If I'm the only one, I'll be like, Good, I'm gonna mute this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I've always yeah. been. But hers, I didn't have a problem with because it was just a Latin word gussied up for uh, you know well, So they're not, and they typically. You know, sorry, well, did I'm, you hear if I just? It, yeah, yeah,
1: so, yeah. Go, 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 go.
0: Well, I was just gonna say You're it's gonna not a. Uh, it's not a series of incantations in a language I don't understand. It's expelliarmus, meaning you know to expel the wand, or axio, meaning action, movement, right? Like, it's stuff like that that you can easily suss out the meaning due to the the, the vagaries of the English language. Continue.
1: And it tends to, when you have certain uh, witchcraft things, which I don't know anything about, uh, but um, it's not drawing from evil. It's just saying an action. Right, so I'm going to get into that. Are, I'm uh, gonna, yeah. The key distinction. Okay, good. That's an
0: important thing in... Okay, so I'll, I'll get to that stuff later. So I Sorry, am cool, I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to the the 29 hour audiobook driving my family home from uh from St. Louis. I'm listening to the 29-hour audiobook of Jordan Peterson's Maps of Meaning. And Jordan Peterson is a Jungian, he follows Carl Jung, a Jungian psychologist who Spends a lot of time on mythology and world religions and especially Christianity to understand why we do what we do, right? And he draws a lot on Jung. And I shared when we did the um, Chamber of Secrets episode his little analysis of from, like, Jungian archetypes of, like, where is, like, the snake is always a sign of the demonic, right? Of the dark powers. So in the, in the second movie, the, the, the great basilisk not only lives in this hidden basement, the Chamber of Secrets, but it comes up through the sewage pipes. It kills people. But it didn't just kill people. It turns them into stone, like the Medusa, like all of these things. Or that was it Hydra, Medusa? Well, whoever.
1: No, that is um, yeah, Medusa. Medusa. Yeah, yeah. So, Medusa. like, that is,
0: like, a key element of classical mythology and so i was like okay you know like that's a really cool understanding and then he he every so often will bring up jk rowling and'll bring up harry potter as one of the best crafted modern characters because he has flaws that aren't deal breakers right so you know he's not going to succumb to the evil of voldemort but at the same time, he still does things that any little kid would do. He lies to get out of trouble. He's constantly engaged in mischief. But it's in that that he learns to incorporate the dangerous side of him. So that's all the the Jungian stuff. You incorporate the shadow. You're a good man but you're dangerous. You're dangerous but you're good. As opposed to passive-aggressive men or nice men who are dangerous but behind your back, right? And so that's the whole kind of like thing that, that uh, kind of drew me to Jordan Peterson's book. And I was like, I want to understand Jordan Peterson's book because he's converting new atheist boys and men like the 20 somethings who are hardcore. Like I'm an atheist. Ask me a question, right? All the people that yell at Bishop Barron in the comment section of his YouTube videos that Jordan Peterson, the reason why Bishop Barron was so impressed with them is Jordan Peterson started converting all these guys to Christianity and Jordan Peterson doesn't himself doesn't go to church. And he has this phrase. He said people ask me all the time, do you believe in God? And I don't think that's an important question. I live as if God exists. That's all I know. And so it's really it's fascinating. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily a car can remember the Roman Catholic Church. But I was interested in it. So I got maps of meaning and I was like, I want to sit down with Jungian archetypes. Dr. Peter Kreef talks about them, draws on them. Okay, great. I'm driving down the road and I almost crapped my pants, Luke. I almost crapped my pants.
1: I love it. That's, that's such a fun a feeling when like you start to connect stuff that you like with like <laughs> outside. It's just, yeah, I know exactly what you are right. talking about. It
0: was yeah. one of those things. Yeah. It was one of those things where five threads hit one point and you're like, Oh my gosh. Right. Oh, like we oh. have to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I literally write down. I'm calling Luke. <laughs> so the thing that happened was I'm, I'm just listening to, to Jordan Peterson and, and the last section of the book. This is what drives me that's about the audiobook. It's four sections and a 29-hour audiobook. So it's like chapter 2, Maps of Meaning, 12 hours long. And I'm like, ah, oh, come yeah. on. So it's that's like Jared hard Jordan
1: d- Peterson. That yeah, is. Yeah, is.
0: Wow, the guy that gives 3-hour long YouTube lectures surprisingly has a long audiobook. Um so I'm driving down the road and he says one phrase that shocked me. So I was totally losing my train of thought because Carl Jung spent the last like third of his career which was skyrocketing cuz you know he he was a student under Freud then he broke away from Freud he had this thing called collective memory we all know the Joseph Campbell stuff that later became Star Wars and that's it just kidding but like all this stuff <laughs> he ends up he ends up stating the phrase in latin salve et coagula the motto of catholic alchemists and i was like what? What? So I go back to the section which was like an hour and a half back and I re-listen to the thing in double speed, mind you. But I re-listen. Classic <laughs> Homer. Carl- Classic Homer. <laughs> Carl Jung at the end of his career became fascinated with medieval, aka Catholic, for the most part Catholic. The last real alchemist was uh Isaac Newton. Right, He was a physicist for his life, and then at the end of his life, he devoted it almost entirely to alchemy. Now, what is alchemy turning lead into gold? It's called transmutation. And also, when, when alchemy was originally like a Greek thing, and they believed that they could manufacture an item called the Philosopher's Stone. And what is the Philosopher's Stone, Luke, in reference to Harry Potter?
1: So it's a stone that is owned by this guy named like Nicholas. Name. His name is Nicholas. Flamel well, say that if you have a speech of pen and then you are exhausted, <laughs> uh, and uh, it basically gives him everlasting life, while also he has the ability to produce gold. I believe whenever he, he he can spin gold. I think right.
0: Yeah. So the idea of the the philosopher and why is the philosopher so and so important? You said this in early on in the book or early on in our podcast. You made a side comment to Rebecca where you said. Well, it's not known as the Sorcerer's Stone except in America. In the UK, it's known as Harry Potter and the... Philosopher's Stone. There you go. The Philosopher's Stone. And why is that important? So alchemy started in uh, pre-Christian Greece, right? And then when the Arabs took over that area, it became... There's a lot of uh, Arabian stuff that got added to it. That's actually why it's called alchemy. Like, A-L is a very common... Prefix in arabic um, in Arabic words and phrases, and then it gets passed into the the through Spain and through you know the the east into Europe. Now, the alchemists are a weird bunch they're a weird bunch because they believe the Christian alchemists this is the most fascinating thing in the world to me they they're they're devout Roman Catholics, and then they say, okay here's the deal Jesus Christ. For them, the Philosopher's Stone was Jesus Christ, the stone which the builders rejected. It's written in all the medieval alchemist manuals. Jesus Christ is the Philosopher's Stone. But here's the weird thing. They say Jesus Christ died for the whole world. If he died for the whole world, why do I still sin? Why do I get sick? Why do animals die? Why is the weather awful? Why do good things corrupt and decay and fall apart? Why? Why is, do
1: babies get but 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 rashes? Wh- exactly. Why like do babies? Ten o'clock on a d- Wednesday night. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: exactly. So tired. So, (laughs) is is, is it Wednesday or Thursday?
0: I genuinely don't know. Today is Thursday. Tomorrow, I have to have this edited and posted. So, moving right along. There we go. I'm just kidding. Thanks, BetterHelp. Intercommercial here.
1: Is there something interfering with your happiness or is it preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, I started going to therapy probably about maybe four months ago, maybe three months ago, and I just kind of realized that healing is something that the Lord wants us to receive, but healing is always an invitation from God. Quite often, he asks people to to,
0: take a step out. We have to take action, and a great way to do that is through a group called BetterHelp. BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. This service
1: is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, and I'm going to send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone session so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room.
0: Those are weird, as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change. Counselors if you feel like you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is indeed available. BetterHelp, H E L P wants you to start living a happier life today. You can go to betterhelp.com/slash reviews and read some of the testimonials that are posted daily. So this is what we're gonna do. We have a special offer for podcast listeners. You get ten percent off your first month at BetterHelp H E L P. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. You go to slash foxes and you will get 10% off your first month. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional counselor. BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for
1: sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes.
0: So what ends up happening is the the alchemists begin to look at their Catholic faith. Now, they walked on the razor's edge between magic and heresy, and they thought that they weren't falling into either. But the alchemists' goal, which alchemy eventually led to chemistry, which is where the word chemistry comes from, they they thought that their task was the Christian task of bringing the whole of creation Into union with the redemption bought for us by the blood of Christ. Okay, so in Romans chapter 8... Uh, St. Paul says, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of yeah, the sons absolutely. of God, for creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope, because creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay, we know that all creation is groaning in travail until now, but not only creation, we ourselves. Now, this is the most important part. He says, "We groan inwardly." Oh, says, "We have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit." We groan inwardly as we await for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, the reason why that's important, Pope John Paul II read that line. He said a hundred times before the force of it and the weight of it hit him, and it's from that sentence that the theology of the body came about. He says he, w- he finally was shocked that St. Paul did not say from the redemption of our souls or our personhood, but specified our body. He thought that was so fascinating. So he begins to do the meditations that will eventually on creation and on male and female, on our bodies. But what the, uh, what the alchemists saw, now imagine they're devout men living in a pre-scientific world. And this is the most scientific thing in a pre-scientific world. You also have to remember it was in an Aristotelian world. It was a world where nature itself was moral, right? We look at nature as just – as a materialist. We really do. Even though we're devout Christians, we maybe see it as a sacramental, but that's at best. Best, yeah, yeah. Right, so um, uh, the secular age, Charles – was it Charles Taylor? Charles – I always get the – uh,
1: Charles, one. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the book – About – Uh, The secular age, if you ever listen to Bishop Barron talk, he'll talk about, like, modern man is the buffered self, whereas medieval man and ancient man was the – I think they call it the porous self. So, like, spirits and the divine and all this stuff, like, in the medieval world, it was all the same thing. Like, you planted your crops on Good Friday – because the grace won for us at redemption would yield a plentiful harvest, right? Like, yeah. that's how they thought, And we don't think – we're like, is there enough phosphorus in the soil? I don't know. I don't know. Right? Like, that's how we think. We think mechanical. That's the <laughs> Speaking idea. Speaking a mechanical, huge
1: airplane flying
0: <laughs> overhead. Sorry about that. No, this is – Luke, you don't have to apologize for creation. I'm going to come up there and kick Dayton's ass. Here we go. The, <laughs> so so the idea of the alchemist is looking around, and they're saying, why isn't it perfect? Ah, We're the first fruits. It's our task to bring all things to perfection. And so they began with their little books that get passed around in their little societies. They believed in – first it was transmutation. Transmutation means the transformation of something, right? You're going to mutate it. You're going to change it from one thing to another. And they believed – like the whole thing was in in the Greek philosophy, Philosopher's Stone, it was to change lead into gold. Lead is plentiful. Gold is not. Let's all be rich. Well, in the medieval world, people really believed that turning lead into gold was 100% possible. So you know what they did? kings made it illegal to be an alchemist because he didn't want you devaluing his currency. So they didn't want this. But once alchemy hits Christianity and they reinterpret the philosopher's stone as none other than Jesus Christ, the stone which the builder rejected, what they began doing was they also created this myth of something called the elixir of life which is the whole point of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, it all revolves around Voldemort wanting to get the stone, not so he could become rich. He didn't care about gold. He wants the elixir of life so he can become human or fully himself again as he's in that weird horcruxy, shadowy state. So the alchemists believed that it was their job, because they live in an Aristotelian universe and every natural thing has its end. They believed that the natural state of inert physical matter was to become gold. <laughs> like okay. everything is to become gold. It why? Because gold does not rust, does not decay. Right? And so they said because creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay, gold doesn't decay. The sun is made of gold. Jesus right came to enlighten us. We have halos and all that stuff. There's a reason why gold is used. It light And it doesn't decay. It was always a symbol of divinity in every culture. And so you have these alchemists who are busy trying to turn, not just lead into gold, but they're transmuting, they're trying to transmute. Now, the funny thing is they were never successful. It was an experiment that lasted literally 1,800 years, and no one ever accomplished it. But the alchemists saw themselves
1: as—that's <laughs> as, like ministry. <laughs> so it's such a great analogy for ministry.
0: Alchemists <laughs> are the youth ministers of their day. Exactly. They work tirelessly. They no, order a honest, lot of pizza. They are—they're
1: not—they're not the on um, like youth ministers. They are the D.R.E.s.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Maybe one day the parents will be primary alchemists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, no, that lead that that lead ain't shining, lady. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're going to have to wait for uh, groaning inwardly for a lot longer than that. So the the idea of the alchemists, and this is what I think you would find fascinating. The alchemists believed that their craft, like everything, because it's natural and all natures have their end, and the end of all matter is to become gold. The alchemist said, well, this stuff will become gold. It's our task to insert craft in place of time. We're just here to hurry it up that's the, That was what they believed their task was. now, the fascinating thing is the alchemists worked alone because often what they did was illegal, punished by the principalities um, and it was weird they were weirdos, but they also <laughs> would ultimately lead to um, they would ultimately lead to chemistry and the scientific method and so this is where I thought it was so fascinating in the alchemist universe, and in fact in in all the medieval wor- in the whole medieval world. Nature was a moral universe. The sun, moon, and stars were the heavens, not space. It was cosmos. It was order, right? Yeah.
1: And so, can I add one quick thing, please. to this that I think is kind of interesting? I had a really good, buddy, I had a really good buddy of mine, Ryan Maley, explain like we were just talking about like, Balthasar and the difference between him and Aquinas. And he goes, I always wonder, like Balthasar. I, I don't remember exactly don't know what he said, so I don't want to put words in his in his mouth. This is what I remember was um, I, was you know that. Per like, having Balthasar didn't think that grace built upon um nature, but grace had like infused was infused into nature, like it was everywhere. It was a part of it, like was a part of nature almost. Hmm. Which I think you can say is grace building upon like like it, it's just yeah. it's it's not these two separate things, but they're almost like infused um together.
0: I would say that's Aquinas because he says that Grace that at least the grace of uh sanctifying grace always is always trying to defend Aquinas. I know, I will, to my death. Uh that <laughs> he defined grace as an or sanctifying grace as an entitative habit. A habit that changes oh, my, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. my yep. entity, my being, right?
1: And, and I think he was more just kind of saying like the like like just like the view of I don't I wouldn't say Star against Aquinas, but more just how people yeah. interpret Aquinas. Okay.
2: That makes sense. And how
1: Unbalvisor just viewed Grace kind of being yeah, like something. It's just it's it's there.
0: It's a part of our everyday life. Yeah, and that was and that was Aquinas's world. Everyone thought that, even exactly. non-practicing yeah. Catholics. Yeah. Everyone thought that, and so when you add actual intelligent people who studied Aristotle, they all had this notion of a teleologically ordered universe. But here's which is yeah, no, it's just really interesting if you view that in like. In
1: light of Harry Potter, because it's never really explained where magic comes from. Yeah, it's just a part of reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just there, a thing that you can, I don't know if you even like tap into is is the right word, but you can experience, like, you know, that idea in uh, when they go into the cave. This is in Harry Potter and they um, have blood prints. So they're going into the cave to find one of the horror crutches, which can help destroy like Voldemort because it contains part of his soul that he is tear it apart because because of all the murders that he has done so one of the i love this line where he where so you have like dumbledore harry they 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 go in the cave and he goes this place has known a magic just by being there
2: yeah it's
1: such a part of it this place has known magic yeah yeah it's like it's it's not it's not it's not this hocus pocus you know kind of crap
0: yeah
1: it is um It's It's a part of nature, a part of reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so
0: when you, so so this is where magic is the force, right? There's a light and a dark side, and what makes it light or dark is not the thing itself; it's the the moral outlook of the wielder. And the dark side is always conceived in terms of dominance over others and the exaltation of the self, right? The Sith Lords, right? And the light side is always the exaltation of others even if it means sacrificing myself, right? So Obi-Wan Kenobi gives up – I mean, you kind of, like, downplay this, but he gave up his entire existence – yes, he was in hiding – to watch this boy grow and become a man at his aunt and uncle's house on this piece of crap, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, desert planet, Tatooine, right? He, like – like, that's the whole point. They go into hiding, but they also, like – like. yeah, so the the whole motive in the prequels of the Jedi is we we are selfless. They are the epitome of selfishness. That's why, it's from my point of view, it's the Jedi who are evil, right? Because the Jedi annihilate yeah. the self for the sake of others. The, uh, the Sith annihilate others for the sake of self. The same is true in Harry Potter. That's why when I started reading the magical stuff, I just go, dude, come on. This is the Force. Is the for and I said that to you early on. I was like, This is the force. This is just it's light and dark, right? It's 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 a power that's a part of nature that you're born into it, or maybe you know you can have a bunch of people in your family who have the force and you don't, or you're just you have no one in your family has it, and then all of a sudden you have it. It's the same thing in the Harry Potter universe. But this was the interesting thing that Jung studied. And the, the reason why Jung studied it is because it was pre-scientific, right? It was before the technology known as the scientific method was invented. The The medieval alchemist drew on all of these images coming from Greek philosophy, so a little bit of paganism, a little bit of Greek philosophy and, and uh, Pythagoreanism and Platonism and Aristotelianism, but he was also... Um, You know, Islam and, you know, all this stuff through – and Judaism that kind of came about in that medieval culture. But the crazy thing was for Jung, reading The Alchemist and their obsession with symbols, everything was symbols, the four elements of earth, wind, water, fire, uh, the seven metals, the three ingredients, like they had all these things. Everything for them was uh, imbued with meaning. So when they took sulfur and they poured it on lead – and poison gas came out. Do you know what they wrote down in their little manuals? Lead has a demon in it. And so when you pour sulfur, it unleashes the demon to attack you. So you know, and that that's how they viewed matter, inert elements, right? That's how they viewed huh. it. And so one of their key principles was the union and when he said this, I literally checked the date that he wrote Uh, maps of meaning Jordan Peterson did to see if JK Rowling just read this section and then wrote Harry Potter. He wrote this in 99. Her first book came out, I think in 97, but she had been planning it since 1990. And so he said, this is what he said. He said, the, the care of the alchemist, the kind of like philosophical motivation, not the theological, but the philosophical was the union of opposites. Lead, worthless metal that is plentiful and even quasi-poisonous, becomes gold. This incorruptible, unrestable element. Right. It was the union of all of opposites. And I push pause, and I said, "That is Harry, and that is Voldemort." Yeah. Right? Yeah. They. Everything about their lives are drawn together but they are the opposites. But in drawing them together in her craft, in her story, in her literary alchemy, she unites these two opposites. And the end, the other phrase that they would say is, the beginning is at the end. And I've said this about every individual book. This is why she is one of the greatest writers in the English language, even though, you know, it, maybe it's unfortunate that she wrote children's stories-ish. But the idea that Every single book, I, I would I would say to you every time, the first 40% is found in the last 20% or 10% of the book. Like every single really? she doesn't waste a word. Well, the first book is found at the end of the last book. Right? Like all of it is connected, right? And I just thought I'm sitting there and I'm reading this and I'm like, this is so this is like okay, so here's my last piece that I think you'll love and you'll jump on board with your hunters. von Balthazariness. Right. So which which point are we on? Like point 027 twenty-seven, we're still talking about the no, philosopher's no. stone and okay. alchemy. no, well, it's, no, no, it's...
1: no, 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 no. It's great. It's great. I, I, <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not. <laughs> oh yeah, we're all lost. We're all lost. Okay. <laughs> so the idea yeah. of the
0: union of the, the opposites. <laughs> <pick Fox. laughs> yeah. You have Harry and Voldemort. Right. The first book and the last book. The first chapter titled "The Boy Who Lived" is what happens at the end of the story. He's the boy who lives. Who lives? Literally, yeah. it's one of the last saying. The last phrases. That's that a Voldemort... great point. Yeah, it's the last thing that Voldemort. One of the last things that Voldemort hisses. At Harry to mock him. Oh, you're the boy who lived. Yeah, the yeah. audiobook way of doing it is stuck in my head. Oh, Harry, you're the boy who lived. Right? Yeah. so it, ridiculous. it was so fascinating. But what is the first book all about? This half alive Voldemort trying to get the Philosopher's Stone, the Sorcerer's Stone, so that he can get access to the elixir of life and bring himself to life so that he can cheat death. What is the last book called? The Deathly Hallows. It is about three devices that were used by three brothers, invented by three Hmm. powerful wizards to do what? To cheat death. death. The whole point of it is found in the whole point of the first book, which is the cheating of death. And this is where everything to me is so fascinating. It all kind of comes together. Uh, In the first book, Harry Potter, or one of the characters, goes to class, and the class is called Muggle Studies. Do you remember this? And uh, they go to Muggle Studies, and do you remember the the first lesson was called Why Do Muggles Need Electricity? (laughs) And I think that was so funny because especially because I'm reading these Neil Postman books, which is all about how the printing press is being destroyed by video and image telling. Well, that's the medieval world is the image telling world. And he wrote the last book was called The Disappearance of Childhood. And he was saying how in the medieval world, there really was no such thing as childhood. You were an adult at the age of seven, a full fledged adult at the age of seven, which is true. If you get baptized in the Catholic Church, you either if you're seven years old, you're an RCIA. Right, if you're six years old, you're baptized as an infant. Isn't that funny? Well they believe it because there was no such thing as childhood. Children dress like adults, they talk like adults. They, their parents had sex in front of them because they only lived in one house, like the language, the coarseness, the bodily functions, everything was done in public. But once you had the inventing of the printing press, you started civilizing people in this totally new way that you create childhood. And so immediately, books of manners and immediately pediatrics start being written about. How do you care for your children? How do you take care? In the medieval world, they didn't care about their children because they were going to die. Literally, you have books written by midwives that say, don't get too, get too attached to your children until they're 10. Good
1: like, gosh, are you serious? Yeah,
0: like, like literally, like, one, there's like a snippet of a diary of a woman who says, like, I was consoling my friend who lost her child, uh, reminding her that she has eight more. Like, like, like that was there, – there was a problem of empathy. Now we have extreme empathy. In fact, in the Middle Ages, they used to play with boys and girls' private parts as like a joke. Uh, It was 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 like like a a, a thing, like, no one cared about it. And and then the author says, now that'll get you 30 years in jail. As well it should. (laughs) Or a seat at the table, if you know what I mean. Um, The the Summer summer of of scandal. 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 There is no technology in the wizarding world yeah no, and they don't, they don't get muggle technology artifacts at all. I mean, the guy that loves muggles, Arthur Weasley, whose original job for like four out of the, out of the seven books, is the, to the the Department for like the Prevention of the Illegal use of muggle artifacts, right? He had a card that he didn't know really how to work. Yeah uh, and you'd think he'd be better at that.: You'd think he would, but that's because the whole wizarding world. Is pre-scientific method; it's alchemy. You know, and that's the thing that I, I I wish that
1: the books, I wish that that the movies had like had reflected more because it's in the very way that they dress. If, if you read exactly. how how they all dress, it's it's medieval. It's Everything straight. It's, it's that. Yes. And so, and, and <laughs> we tend to think of Harry Potter in like 2008 outfits because they just did that, especially post 2000. Especially from, I think, the um, Order of the Phoenix yeah. on, like, onward in, in the films that, you know, they they cut his hair, which is a blasphemous, um, which I is know, just, I, I get why they did it. Yeah. But it's just, it, um, they wanted to make him, like, more appealing yeah. and, and relatable. Because and they took so much... away. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it's just, you know, so now it's all about youth culture. Yeah. As opposed to this ancient place, that, like they don't have technology because they don't care,
0: right? And but it's it's a pre-scientific world, right? Yeah, so yeah. You know what I mean pre-scientific, like pre-scientific, like, like yeah, yeah. So like above their heads at Hogwarts is hundreds of candles, right? They don't have electricity. That's a Muggle thing. Muggles need electricity, and Muggles invent, and that's why Arthur Weasley's like, wow, it's so fascinating, it's so interesting. Now think about Arthur Arthur Weasley, like he has a car. That he doesn't know how to drive, really, and unless they use magic to make it fly through the sky and all that stuff. But they always talk about, like, they don't know how to use buttons. And there's all these muggles with their buttons and switches and knobs. It is a scientific world that gave us that, but it's the world of the machine. It's a world that has reduced nature to a mechanism. Whereas mm-hmm. in the pre-scientific, and now in this case, the wizarding world... This is the world of Thomas Aquinas. This is a world of Chaucer. This is the world where material objects are moral. They have a they have are tending towards their end. Contraception is immoral because it's blocking the ends towards which marriage is ordained, right? So the idea of the alchemist looking at the world and saying I'm here to turn inanimate objects into gold. And what is the elixir of life? The elixir of life wasn't you drink it once like um it's very similar. The myths cross in the Arthurian legend, again, an English fantasy tale. It crosses when you talk about when you drink from the, 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 the Holy Grail, you get immortal life, eternal life, right? Well, the whole thing with the elixir of life was it preserved your body for what? Like another year. Like that one guy who um, the Nicholas dude who, who invented the Philosopher's Stone. He had to keep drinking it every year, or every, every year. so often. Yeah. Like they don't—I don't think yep. they are ever explicit, but—and so Harry said, "Well, I'm sorry, I destroyed it. Now your friend's going to die." And he's like, "Well, he's lived a long life. He's—he's—he's he's, he's and he's—and
1: yeah, they, yeah. How there's a weird—they have an embrace of death there that I think is very interesting.
0: And that is everything.
1: The I, reason, I think he—he de- he, he describes it as they're going to take a very long nap. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting to you in terms of the resurrection. Uh, um, uh. uh of the body and stuff.
0: Yeah, the falling asleep, right? So yeah, you have yeah. this you have this thing of alchemy that kind of runs throughout thematically all of the books. But the coolest thing is um so like th- this is where the techne of muggles is what divides them from the wizarding world right? The me- the mechanistic view of nature versus the poor or the buffered view versus the porous view. That I've reduced everything to a machine, I create the machine, I submit the machine to my will versus magic where you don't choose the wand, the wand chooses and you. Right? All of these things that are built into it. And you wonder, like, even their paintings have some element of life and morality to them, which is funny, but it's and not memory, even...
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's not even yeah. that.
0: It's port keys right these seemingly innocuous objects that can teleport you to you know the quidditch match or that can do all these things that become the goblet of fire that teleports them to his to cedric's doom all of these things this is just inert matter to us but that's why muggles don't see it because it's just um, matter yeah and then you take
1: you know so and this is i i don't want to keep harping on the idea of like you know it's it's not evil but I, i think this is what is a Horcrux? But taking a piece of matter, yes, and you, it's 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 that. It's saying like this thing has an end. It's it you know it can it, it, it you know has a purpose. It has a it, it you know it uh, it almost has a life. Now it is a very sick. It's a very twisted life. It is you know evil. But it's not inherently evil. It is what all real evil things are. It's this profound lack of good. This thing that has been horribly twisted and screwed up, and you know,
0: turned into a thing that it was that it's, it's not its true self. Thank you, thank you. I was hoping you would say that it's an end that is not its n- end naturally, towards which it tends by nature. It's yep. an evil end, twisted and imposed on. It's the perversion of the thing. So exactly. you have this, yeah. this yeah. ring. It becomes uh, a horcrux. You know, you have all these things that they become. But this is the and and to me, I'm just like looking at this and I'm like, this is so fascinating that they did. But a horcrux becomes right the number seven, which is a very important number in Christian theology as well as in uh, alchemy. Medieval alchemy, there were seven substances: lead, blah blah blah. I can't remember them all. Tin, copper all that stuff. One of them is, uh, uh, was it, uh, one metal would, they just called Luna (laughs) because it was like lunar in color. Maybe it was silver. Right. And they just called it Luna. I'm like, ah, Luna love good. Oh, wow. Love (laughs) good.
1: So every, like every, like every Catholic, um, Young adult group has a Luna Lovegood.
0: <laughs> so it's so funny you say it. I was at
1: Super oh, Florida.
0: I was at Super Florida, and this girl with very light blonde hair. And on yeah. Saturday night, we're all, after the conference, we're all sitting there. And we're, I had a couple beers, and we're eating some food. And she walks in, and she sits down next to me, and I go, hey, I got a question for you. And she goes, yeah? And I go, I know we don't know each other, but if you were a Harry Potter character, which character? And she just looked at me she's like, Luna Lovegood. I get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, okay, so uh, go on with your thing about uh, the horcrux. Yeah, here's the deal. Stuff. Yeah, and here's here is the the where death becomes the motif. Voldemort is terrified of death. Dumbledore said an amazing thing. I don't know if it was in Half Blood Prince or in Deathly Hallows, but he said Voldemort. I think it was in Deathly Hallows. Voldemort doesn't understand anything. Like Voldemort thinks he understands everything that is useful to him. Right. So if if, if it doesn't help him attain power, he doesn't think it's worth knowing. And the thing that he wants more than anything else is to escape death. And so he doesn't know the tale of the three deadly, deathly hallows. He only cares about the, the, the ender's one. He only cares about the death stick or whatever it's called because that makes him powerful he doesn't care about some invisibility cloak, and he doesn't care about the resurrection stone that brings the dead back. And Dumbledore said, why would he want to bring the dead back? He's afraid of the dead. And then you begin to realize this is this is like the mockery. This is the uh the antithesis of the resurrection. Because the resurrection implies the body first died. Right? And and Voldemort Mm. can't do that. Mm -hmm. So what does Voldemort do? Voldemort has an absolute fear of death. So he wants as much power as possible so that he achieves what no dark wizard has ever done before. Immortality. How does he do it? The Horcrux. How do you make a Horcrux? You murder someone. Your soul fractures. You take that fractured chunk and you shove it into a material object.
1: The worst thing you could possibly do. Right.
0: And then he does it seven times. But it's not just that. See, he's running from the very thing he's terrified of. But then by running from it, Mm -hmm. he surrounds himself with it. So what are his henchmen called but the Death Eaters? How does he make the heart? He murders people. He kills everyone in order to achieve, and that's why he can't understand love. Because if love is honest and true and good, it calls you in the face of evil to lay down your life out of love. And he doesn't understand that because all he wants is immortality. So when Lily threw her life down for him, he's like, "This is so stupid, Dumbledore." Like he constantly, "Oh, is it love? Is it love, Dumbledore?" Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's funny because he's yeah, you're right. He's completely aware of like why Harry, li- like why people think Harry lives. So the big thing is that so he so when Harry's a boy, for for those who don't who don't understand, when Harry's one years old. When he is one year old, you um like how like Voldemort hears his prophecy that he has to kill a boy born in June, I think, yeah. and um July, uh because because yeah sorry July, that's right because uh he will be given powers for the dark. I, and I'm sorry, I don't really, so basically he like hears this prophecy that um makes him think this boy is going to uh, kill him. Now he because now it, it's his henchman that hears that. That's a whole other thing, but we'll
0: we'll go into that in a bit. Hey, nerds. I want to introduce you to something both random and beautiful, like Luke in a pair of skinny jeans, and that's sock religious. I know what you're thinking. uh, So, like, religious socks? But these socks are actually quite great because sock religious, you may not know this, is the number one largest Catholic sock company in the world. Probably. They are a mom-and-pop online store run by people who not only love their Catholic faith, but celebrate more feast days than anyone else this side of Rome. Their number one goal is to bring joyful Catholic products to the world to start more conversations about our faith. I mean, think about it. If someone thinks Catholicism is boring, snobbish, and lame, and then they see your socks, their argument is immediately rendered invalid, and Jesus will give them the grace of regeneration right there, born again. Boom. Thank you. Sock Religious. Each pair is designed by creative director Madison Sipo. Laddie, would sip it. Sip a bit, sip a, by Madison, who first studies the life of the Saint and then prays about the work. Now think about this. This isn't a flat drawing or even a painting, but a three-dimensional design knit into the fabric. All adult socks fit men's five to eleven and women's seven to twelve. I'm about eleven and a half and they fit me nicely. Head on over to sockreligious.com today to get your pair in the mail and spice up your Sunday best with these sick socks. I recommend Saint Benedict and Saint Francis as my two favorite designs. So thank you very much to Sock Religious for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So he, so should I just
1: explain who Snape is? It's kind of important, I think.
0: Uh, let me, let me do this first. Let me finish my Voldemort okay. thing. So, oh, re- go, yeah, cause, okay, yeah, because I have a whole point about that, but it's it, it
1: requires part of, like, yeah. that knowledge. So go, go.
0: Yeah, so the fascinating thing as it unfolds. And I think some of you out there might be laughing because I'm a 38 year old man who just discovered these children's books that my next door neighbor said, Oh yeah, we had to read the first book in second grade. And I'm like, I'm reading it now. Uh, <laughs> but the, the fascinating thing is Voldemort evil. Like er, the, the comment that Aristotle made, made was don't ask an evil man or a bad man. What the good is. He can't tell you, right? Cause he just, he can't know. And Voldemort can't know why harry potter lived he 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 even though he knows the fact he doesn't know the meaning he knows the reality that mm, lily gave yep. her life it put up a shield whatever that's stupid i'm going to kill you now but he's like oh is it love and they're they're literally dueling He just killed Harry mere minutes earlier, and here is a risen Harry standing in front – a risen Harry, that sounds weird – standing in front of him, (laughs) a fully erect Harry standing in front of him. And they're dueling, and he's like, oh, is it love again? Is it love? And he's like – and Harry Potter says, I think like three times, he's like, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. Like – just, you can't yeah. hurt any of them because I died out of love for them, and they're all protected. That's why your curses aren't hitting them. You don't get it. And he can't. Yeah. Evil can't
1: done. This is why I think the world right now, especially, doesn't understand Chris the like Christian idea. Like not not even like or just like the Christian proposal, the Christian like project, or even um a Christianity as a whole, I guess. I'm not saying that the world's evil, but I'm saying it. We're so obsessed with power and manipulation. That's how we view everything that being makes zero sense. Yeah. So the first words that, you know, Harry hears, I believe, uh, this is from, so just, just keep everyone wants oh, to know how this is going. Uh, I'm just supposed to give my like, you know, ad lib thoughts. So <laughs> if, if I get stuff wrong, I apologize. Um, Harry's not told you can do magic. He's told you're, you're a wizard. Yeah, like what he is. Yeah, and with and I think, like, why that really actually matters is if we don't understand, if we uh, like, if we don't understand who and like oh, well, what we are, if we're if we're not like open to the idea that I'm something, like this matters. This like it's like flesh here. This matters at all is a part of this thing, Christianity doesn't make sense. And you have someone like Voldemort who has never really known love. All he's known is rejection and isolation. You know, he's born of a, he's, so his, his mom uh, manipulates his dad. She uses it's like love potion on a, like um, on a muggle, which is a person who doesn't have a magic abilities because she's obsessed with him and she comes from a horrible family. And I mean she's just been treated horribly and she just she just wants um love. But well, this guy is so repulsed by her, and the only way that she can try to really find love is to basically create a fake love. Which then cre- cre- then it creates like Voldemort, who his whole life from the very beginning, he doesn't know love. Yeah. This family I'm never you know, so his mom dies giving birth to him, pretty much. Um I think she dro- I think the story is that she drops him off at the orphanage and then dies right afterwards. Or she yeah. comes yeah, up yeah. to the orphanage, gives birth, and dies there. His dad's family, it's not clear if they really know who he is, but it's clear that the dad re- did reject the mom because she wanted him to really love her. And when she- so she takes his potion away, or she stops him giving it to him, which is this love potion. And he's just repulsed by her. And I think it implies that he knows that she's pregnant. But he rejects her. And so he just, like, he doesn't he doesn't know love. But what he does know is that he can change stuff. Yeah. That he can hurt other people. That he can... He realizes he can uh, manipulate things. And so you have this person... You know, you have this kid who's completely... He has, like, no love. He has um, no one who cares about him. All he has is like anger and this understanding that he can change stuff that he can hurt people if he wants to.
0: Yeah. Which is why Dumbledore has compassion for him. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore and, and that Dumbledore admits it. He says, um, uh, when he was talking about, I think it was when he was talking about Harry, he's like Dumbledore or, uh, Voldemort knew my weakness that I cared for you. And he used that against me. Well, that's what mm-hmm. he did with Tom Riddle. Like he cared for him because Here's this poor kid who has nothing to do but man. I mean that that ship has sailed for that kid. Yikes! Well, and it's it's it's
1: and, you know that's why Harry. I think in a real way he you know pities Voldemort, and this is why I think as Christians we shouldn't hate. I guess I mean I I I don't think we're told to hate the world, right? Anywhere in the Bible again? I'm very tired. So,
0: <laughs> well, I mean the, the the New Testament makes four distinctions of what the what you mean by the world. Like, don't be of the world means don't be of the sinful. yeah yeah. yeah. But I, I just mean like people that are in the world. We don't live
1: in it's you know isn't the matrix where we have to view them all as our as our enemy. Now, yes, we're going to be split from them. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be you know. Christ, like he clearly says, I've I've come here to call the division amongst some people. So like, it's going to be tough, but it doesn't mean that we, they're, that they are, you know, the bad guy. Yeah. And I think we really need to pity people who don't understand. And I don't mean that as like, oh, you poor person, you just don't get it. I, I, I mean, like ache for them because it's so hard to understand a thing you have no um, basis for so if you like just and and we're we all grew up like the culture matters and when you grow up when you're formed by a um, uh, by a by a culture that tells you life really has no meaning god isn't actually real all this stuff doesn't make sense if you really if you really if you really you know Stop and think about it. What else do you have? All that matters is power, which is what is, which is uh, what the one bad professor tells Harry who gets warped by Voldemort in the first book, he says, he showed me all that matters. There's no, I think he said, there's no like evil and good. There's only power.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was a great line. Yeah. And that's what the
1: world teaches people that what really matters is what you can do yeah. and that's it. That's it. So you're reduced to, you know, you're you're reduced to chemistry, things that you can uh, you know, you're reduced to your, like C V. And those are not all bad things in and you know, in and in and of themselves, but they don't have like well-pointed ends. Just like we've kind of lost this whole idea of like everything is building towards some end and has some purpose. Like it actually really matters and it's moral. Yeah. That doesn't that's almost incomprehensible. To modern man Yeah Which is why I'm Voldemort I think it's You know like We should We're like We're all more Like we're We're all both Voldemort and Harry You know like We all sometimes Can't see the pain That we've caused Other people Because of our own selfishness Yeah And at times We're all Incredibly selfless We have the power To be both
0: Yeah and so- Sorry
1: Power is my reward
0: yeah we, we have, we have it's the ability very possible to be both yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So let me uh, the the ending scene where Harry goes into the woods to defeat Voldemort has got to be one of the most elegant and Christocentric scenes In a storyline. I mean, we're talking Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino, where the only way to free the kids from the tyranny of the gang is to let them murder him. And he dies with his arms stretched open by absorbing their evil. He set the uh, Hmong kids free in that neighborhood. I don't know if you saw that movie, right? Do you you ever see that? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
0: So, you know, that ending scene, I mean, it is blatantly Christocentric. He's like spreading his arms out. Um, And all he did, he didn't pull out a gun. He pulled out a lighter to light a cigarette, right? So the idea is he's using nonviolence to bring, to end the reign of the violence. So what does Harry do? Harry secures on his person. He has Draco Malfoy's wand, which he took off of Draco. But he also has the resurrection stone and the cloak of invisibility. And what does he do? He knows where Voldemort is. He now knows the full truth of Snape's courage and heroism that all went unsung. And he he takes the objects that give him power and he shoves them under his robes, his medieval garb, right? He puts them under his robes and there's one line where it says, so that he would not be tempted to use it. Yeah, and there he stands on the outskirts of the forest, or uh, of of where Voldemort is. And Voldemort's like, I don't understand. He should be here. He should be here by now. That's I, I anticipated. That's what he would do. And he steps forward and says, "Here I am." And then they begin to have the exchange. And then Voldemort just sends the death death curse and kills him right there. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is so absolutely. That is what we call the Christus Victor theology of atonement, where Christ went up to all the powers of darkness and brought them all down on himself. And when they killed him, which was their greatest victory, the act of killing despoiled the powers, right? It robbed them blind, right? It defeated. He made a spectacle. Scripture says that Christ made a spectacle of the principalities and powers of the dominion of darkness. Well, that's what Harry does, but he does it in the most von Balthasarian way through absolute self-emptying humiliation.
1: So he walks yeah. over, and there's no
0: fanfare.
1: Hey, I have got yeah. to. Um, Aaron's calling me really, really quick. Can I call you back? Yes. All
0: right. Thank you. Here we are. How's she doing? Hey, so
1: she's she's just she's just screaming, crying, so I have to head back. I have about 10 to 15 minutes, so let's just kind of call this part one.
0: Okay, so Harry goes to Voldemort. He hides his power under robes, right? So he veils his power like Christ did, right? And he comes yeah. and he goes because Harry is the six of the seven oh, uh, Horcruxes, Horcruxes, right? The snake... Which, again, it's a symbol of the demonic. The snake is the seventh Horcrux that unlikeliest of heroes, Neville Longbottom, uh, destroyed. But the, the, the brilliant thing about it is Harry, because of what happened when Harry was one years old, the, hor- the death curse rebounded off of Voldemort, killing Voldemort, but it turned Harry into a Horcrux. So Harry has to die so that evil can die. You're seeing these analogies with Jesus. So what does he do? He shoulders the burden of evil. He offers no resistance to evil. He fights with nonviolence. Every time Harry squares off with Voldemort, wand to wand, he says "Expelliarmus" or whatever, whatever it is. Um, he does Yeah, he doesn't shout the death curse, which is every single time that's what Voldemort does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So he doesn't fight violent, like murder with more murder. Right, But here's the funny thing. Evil can't help but be evil. And evil does what evil does predictably. So Harry knew this is what was going to happen. He had to die to kill the Horcrux. But at the same time, by giving his life so that everyone in Hogwarts could live, he created an act of love so great that it shields them from the power of death right i love that that he's hiding he's veiling all of his true powers from evil he absorbs the evil instead of returning the evil and in absorbing it he utterly defeats it and then the satanic powers go nuts it's not mm-hmm. just enough to have their hour they have to humiliate harry so he grabs him and flings him up in the air three times he does all of these things to humiliate him and makes hagrid uh under the curse carry harry's body to uh humiliate him even further right can
1: I, can I just add something yeah. really quick here I, um, again, I'm going to kind of just again point towards uh, I think a thing that as Christians we can really take away from this is when Harry so Harry has this thing called the resurrection stone which, you, which is and um, he knows that you will bring back the dead but in a way that uh, they're not actually there but they're there nonetheless but there's not he can't
0: yeah, it's like a half-life.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think there's something very interesting to be said about that and the communion of saints yeah. in the sense – I'm not saying it's a like-for-like Comparison and
0: it's not trying to be. It's not an allegory.
1: No, 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 no. But I just think this really interesting thing where he it's when he really opens that up. It's it is his parents and and their two um, best friends who were able to provide Harry, who die over the course of of, like these books, who also provide Harry with like a whole bunch of comfort. They are very paternal towards him.
0: Yeah, a godfather and yeah uh, Lupin, who become for him. Right. Like the only friends, the only father like figures that they that he has in his life, the only family that he has um, that actually love him, the godfather plan that, that he was baptized. Yeah,
1: that that were, you know, that also were very tied with his with his parents. They give him the protection and the strength that he that he, he needs to really make so basically he can't um get in there because there's all these like dementors yeah that are and he's trying to go to die and he's like I how and then he basically pulls out the stone and like what these like dementors are they're these um, creatures that can really they, they tear out all like hope all like all life and they can like um suck out of your soul which is they say I'm worse than death.
2: Yeah.
1: And so it is the dead it is his loved dead people the, you know his like his saints if you will that give him protection. His own his own cloud of witnesses that give him the ability to go and to go and meet Voldemort, and that's the thing. Like Balthasar talks about over and over and over again, is most like look to the saints,
2: yeah.
1: look to what the saints said, almost what the saints did, have a relationship with these saints, and I think that is so important because if not, like the, the, what I really am like about all the saints is they're very practical. Yeah. For the most part, it's actually a lot of practical tips, little bits of wisdom, things that you can understand that really in concrete ways can change your heart, change your life. And that's what those people provided Harry with are one, a lot of practical wisdom, but two, this real like ability to go through the last, like he he would have been, it would have been impossible for him yeah. to go through those dementors on his own. Right.
0: And by laying down, yeah. by laying down his life, he saves his friends. My favorite, as I'm listening to this being played at one o'clock in the morning, while I'm putting my fourth coat of chalkboard paint on a wall, I think in my mind of the story of the lion, the witch and the wardrobe and Aslan going before, the white witch to die in Edmund's place. And the line of C.S. Lewis is she knows that the deep magic from the beginning of time demands the justice, one life for a life. And then, uh, so it, and then he lays down and what happens? They shave him, they humiliate him and all the magical creatures, the hags, the werewolves and the vampires and the giants are gathered around the stone table And he's bound to it and then she kills him and then screams out the great cat is dead and then everyone goes nuts rejoicing and they march off to war against the Narnians. And when I'm looking at that, what happens with that, right? Like you have this notion of Harry Potter enters the forest and there's the evil giants. There's the death eaters. There's all these creatures, the spiders and whatnot. They're all around Harry waiting for for him to die Um, And for Voldemort to be eyewitnesses of his death and humiliation, right? And I thought that was so fascinating because right when Harry dies, it's very C.S. Lewis-ish, Harry wakes up in a train station. And that whole scene with Dumbledore reminded me exactly of the purgatorial scene in The Great Divorce of C.S. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah. sitting there at a transportation place. In one place, it's a bus stop. The other one it's the is King's Cross Station, right? Come on. You can't really thin the <laughs> the parallels that much. And Harry, like, and, and literally Dumbledore says, yeah, you can hop on the train and go where it's going. He's like, I could. He goes, yeah, or you could go back. And he lays out all the truths of Dumbledore's own failing. So it's not the exact same thing. But in order to do that, that's how he defeated Voldemort. And I thought that whole circle thing was so freaking powerful. I loved it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it taps into this um I'm, I'm trying to go back to like these, you know, you know, these real ancient truce thing that there's so, like when he goes there he can he is naked like like when it, when Harry on um, wakes up there he's um naked and then he thinks, and also he like ha, ha, uh, he gets clothes and it's it's this white kind of place that slowly starts to come into on um, the focus because I think this is King's cross yeah. and blah blah blah, and it's and he doesn't have his glasses, his scar doesn't hurt, yeah, but it's still reality,
0: yeah. Yeah. He says a line, was this in my mind? And he says, yes. And he said, so it wasn't real. And he goes, why do you think that? Of course it was real.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is a and which it works on so many levels on um, the yeah. one just as like a story stories have power to quote, you know, <laughs> the best game of Thrones thing ever. Right. Yeah. Like what's more powerful than a story, <laughs> a good story. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then you also have this idea of like, you know, I think how degree analogy just towards like prayer, like, it's, you know, of course it's in my head, but it doesn't mean that this, you know, isn't, isn't real, but also this immaterial reality, you know, again, going back to the whole idea of like the time period of that, the, like nature is moral. It's not a thing you can, like, you can't test that, but you can experience it, which is what Harry has. Harry has an experience of this. It's a real, it's a real thing that happens that happens in his head. Had he chosen to gone on the train, Harry would have died. I I believe, I I believe Harry would have died, but he chooses to not do that. And so it has very real consequences. And now he, and you know, he understands that if he were to die, there's still one Horcrux left, which is, which is the snake, which he told him Neville to kill. And he, I think they may even talk about this. I don't really oh, remember, but the fact that like, you know, if he were to go on, it would be up to everyone else to kill the snake, then kill Voldemort.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't let and he's his friends aware of that. that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is ultimately why he goes back, but it's not, but so again, I, I think it's so interesting. This idea of nature being a thing that has like a more, it's really interesting. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I have probably about – I'm a little bit I'm farther than I was, okay. so I have I might have about 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, so – and then the last thing I want to talk about is how um, Harry and the whole death and all, all that stuff, the reason why he's able to, to, to defeat Voldemort is because he doesn't want power. One of the themes that even when I was getting really fussy in Order of the Phoenix with how moody Harry was – It was all around Harry being elevated to a position he didn't think he deserved. So, whether it was, or cast down, like, so whether it was everyone hating him or everyone obsessing over him, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to be the head. He doesn't want to be the chosen one. It's a joke. He doesn't want to be the boy who lived. He didn't even know that he's the boy who lived, you know, until, you know, uh, I think it was Hagrid. It's like, you're actually really famous in the wizarding world. And he's like, what? I don't know anyone, right? So the idea Mm -hmm. of of Harry doesn't want power, but Dumbledore did. So Dumbledore is Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Gandalf is like, don't give me the ring, Frodo. So, you know, Harry is definitely Frodo. Don't give me the ring. I'd use it out of a sense of doing good, but it would twist me, right? So here Mm -hmm. Dumbledore is like Gandalf, who three times refused the head of the Ministry of Magic because he knew that by having authority and power, it would delight his ego, which is why it's so funny. These wizards, once they get power and they for power's sake, the first thing they want to do is subjugate all the wizards who aren't full wizards. And the second thing they want to do is destroy the muggles or make them serve.
1: Well, I wouldn't say that's what all of them want to do, but all of them want to maintain their power. Yeah. So
0: if you if you take if you take the
1: current you know through the majority of the books actually pretty much all of the ministers of magic they all want to do a thing that they think is best
0: yeah but saves their which, butt more than yes knows. exactly and so Even that can if they're, be they're either, lying they're they're yep, you know covering they didn't want stuff to accept
1: re- yep yep they didn't want to accept reality they want to uh, use Harry as basically war p- propaganda. All this and that's what and so they they can't ever see beyond themselves.
0: Yeah, it's the compromises. They are good men. How dare you? I'm just trying to keep this thing going. I'm gonna cover this up yeah. or I'm gonna ignore the fact that Harry illegally used magic because oh crap, the prisoner from Azkaban, Sirius Black, is out and he's coming to get him. Like all their screw-ups, they paper over, they hide. What I meant by that was the the evil men who chase after power for power's sake, right? The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gr- Grindelwald or whatever his name is. Yeah, and, uh, and And Dumbledore, right? He's like, I thought myself a genius. I wanted – how could I stay at home with my stupid family when I could have been the greatest wizard and I got in, entranced by all this stuff and I desperately, desperately wanted to be something in the world? And that's when I gave myself over to this whole notion of – subjecting human muggles to the authority of the of wizards as Mm -hmm. wizards have done to the the seven magical races right the the goblins the centaurs the house elves etc etc i thought that was really really fascinating so he's kind of like god the father where he has he's a father figure he's almost all seeing and all knowing i'm generally good at guessing he says but he's also a failed father in that he sent Harry to the Dursleys, and it ended up being a terrible decision, right? He thought it was going to be better. He didn't give Harry enough information that would just soothe his heart. He's like, I, I commit the sins of an old man. I thought you young, yeah. you would know better. But, like, it's so it's so fascinating to me that you have these these things. And that's why Harry, he says to Harry at the end, because you're better than me. He doesn't mean you're more powerful or more knowledgeable. It's you don't lust after power for its own sake.
1: hmm and like I did. Yeah,
0: yeah. He fully igno- like
1: the thing about Harry. It's also really interesting. Is Harry's not a good wizard? I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, he's yeah, fine. Yeah. He's good. He's very good at, at at um defense against the dark arts. But he's not this like exceptional, all powerful, all powerful like wizard. Dumbledore is. I mean, yeah. He can do stuff that like is just incredible and just would bl- you know blow your mind. Like he, I think this is actually really important. Harry has to go to, has to go to the Dursleys, which is his aunt and uncle who hate him. They hated his parents, not because of his mother's like sacrifice, but because of how Dumbledore used his mother's sacrifice. Yeah. You know, so it's, 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 it's actually, it's actually Dumbledore that condemns Harry to, you know, 10 years of being treated terribly. And he knows that. And he hopes there's. I don't. I don't. I don't know if he um, realizes how terrible he's going to be treated. But he's the reason why Harry has to go back. So basically, because of what Dumbledore did with his mother's, with Harry's mom's, like sacrifice, he's able to live at the Dursleys even if he's only there once a year. He so call it home, and and all of the Death Eaters and um, and Voldemort cannot get to him there. Yeah. It's impossible. I love that, I and love that's that. because that's because that's because of Dumbledore. Yeah, I and love again, that. I think, there was a
0: a, a a charm of home that not even Voldemort yeah. can break. I, I think that was yeah, so cool. yeah. Again, this, this idea of
1: being is really imp- who and what you are is really important, and it really now. But at the same time, this is what's so great about about Harry Potter, and like why it's so obvious that she has she has a Christian background. Being all this stuff, it matters, but it's always a choice. Yeah. Everything they do is a choice. Even Voldemort, when he's Voldemort, changes his name from Tom Riddle to Voldemort, he has chances at redemption. Yeah. I don't think he's ever really tempted by them because it's just he's too he's too far gone.
0: The best chance at redemption comes in the last thing Harry Potter shouted at Voldemort which is be a man and have some remorse for your actions. Re- remorse. And he, yeah. he's like, what? And it says, like, his eyes go wide for just a second, and then he recovers. He's like, what are you talking? Like, he couldn't understand. He's like, have some remorse. Own up to what you've done. Like, ha- Like he's literally saying, repent, right? Like, yeah. uh, right at the scene, where, right like, where he's about to die, he's at death's door. And Harry knows Voldemort can't win. He knows it. And he calls him out. To repent. I think that is so powerful. As well as the very last line or the, the scripture verses that were quoted in The Search for the Horcrux. In a Christian, in a churchyard graveyard, there is carved on a stone, uh, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And that comes from 1 Corinthians 15, which is St. Paul's great argument for why Christ rose from the dead. It, the last enemy to be conquered is death. And the whole rest of it in the 42 and following is all about a natural body, a supernatural body. What is perishable will be raised imperishable. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. This is the union of opposites. It was sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. This is where Harry comes in to the full power and destroys. He destroys Voldemort through the one thing Voldemort was terrified of, which is death. He willingly lays down his life, and I think what greater point to end tonight's story on than right there he destroys evil by laying down his life for his friends and dying. I think that's amazing.
1: I think this is a story like Balthasar would really like <laughs> <laughs> because you I think you have such a good that's such a good point about um it's not that the people in the magical world aren't tempted by techne, or that it isn't there or it isn't, you know, cause there are definitely people who try to, you know, they try to use, they try to use stuff. They try to manipulate things. They do try to conquer things, especially the rich, but there's such this, um, understanding of, a bigger world beyond them that's there you know so harry gets a watch given to him and when he turns 18 i think it's when he turns 18 or it's when he turns i'm 17 i don't really I don't remember which age but 17 okay and it's it's a thing for like all wizards in england to get a watch And the watch he gets comes from his like surrogate mother, which was her, which was her brother's watch, which was, who was the person who was killed by Voldemort. Oh, that's right. It's actually, um, it is uh, said that it's two of her brothers, and they were, I think it's on Narai Mooney that says he gave them a hell of a fight. (laughs) And I bring that up because there's such this idea of like, it's all connected, and it's all, there's this big world that's so much among the bigger, it's not about what you can do. It's about who you love and how you love them. Like that's what that's what truly matters. And, uh, like the hero of our story, the, you know, like hero family is this, is, is this poor family who's barely, I'm getting by like, they have like, they've like, I'm seven kids or something. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So it's, it's all about, um, like, uh, like choosing to do the right thing as opposed to how do I find myself? Like, it's not about finding uh, yourself at all. If anything, it's about the exact opposite of that.
0: Well, it's one of those things where it's like, I will tell the truth even when no, when everyone else is lying right cuz i know that if i go along with something even for a moment that i know is a lie it'll it'll break me and then i'm i'm just like them so it's yeah. like when everyone's saying horrible things about dumbledore well he is old it's time for him to move on he can't like the daily prophet all these people even people that harry knows that are like starting to buy into the lie he can't he won't cuz the moment you take that step all is lost right the moment you give yeah, in the moment you betray the moment you lie you're you're cooperating with the very thing that's destroying society. So it goes back to East Germany, right? East Germany, 3 out of every 5 people was a government informant, which meant if you had a family of 5, 3 of those people were ratting on two of those people.
1: Yeah. And, and, how and horrible, of them.
0: How horrible is that? I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. It's, that's like
1: like look at how and, and I mean and it's great too because I think we're so addicted to thinking we're doing the we do good it has to look perfect like if you look at if you look at what at what at what snake does he's um he's such a nice guy (laughs) but he he's so like he's an informant like he's he probably sacrifices way more than most for harry you know he gives up. I'm a. i mean he gives his only friend. The like he just he gives so much. Yet he's terrible to Harry. Yeah. And he means it. Yeah. Like, because Harry is the daughter of. Sorry, Harry's. Harry is the son of the woman that he loved. That he truly, truly loved. Even if it was a little bit of a nice guy love at, at times. But he was Harry's also the son of of the man that he he loathed. Yeah, and he always holds those two things in his heart towards Harry.
0: I love the last words of Snape. Do you remember what they were? Um, look at me. Yeah, I didn't catch that the first time.
1: He has that's why I told you to pay attention in the beginning. It's all all foreshadowing. What does what does Snape? What does he look at? He stares into Harry goes. His teacher just like stared at his eyes.
2: Yeah, And he was like, what the hell? And
1: I'm like, that's... Well, that guy's a predator. Yeah. Run! (laughs) Um, He's got my character written all over him. Uh, But it... uh,
0: If he invites you to a beach house in New Jersey, say yes if you want a good grade, but probably no. Say no. No, you know what? Say no. We can at Uncle Teddy's. (laughs) That's what I felt about Professor Slughorn. He's like, I like the collective. I wish I had the whole set. And you're like, oh, don't... Oh, you're inviting children over to your house for dessert in your room? Like, uh...
1: <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. Did you weird. do that,
0: Luke, when you worked at a boarding school?
1: No, I did not. <laughs> I, if, if anything, I was like, leave me the hell alone.
0: Yeah. Hey, kids, Uncle Luke is gonna have a party. No one wants to come. Okay, I'll just, I'll just stay over here.
1: Uh, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Oh no, but I just think that's it's, it's very uh, like Harry Potter. One reason why it's so good is that it, it; these are all flawed people, and their flaws have major consequences.
0: Yeah, and they're and they're and they're realistic flaws, like mm-hmm. they're not impossible flaws. And that was a fascinating thing when he said uh, Snape was never your man. He was Dumbledore's. He loved my mother, and Snape said he loved the girl, but he got over it. He told me there were other women, and he's like, of course, that's what he told you. And, of course, you'd believe that because you don't know what love is. Why did the Malfoys betray Lord Voldemort? Because they loved Draco. Mm-hmm. They wanted. They just wanted Draco back alive. They got in well, number one, they were evil, they compromised, and they realized it cost them the life of their son. So th- she, Narcissa, did everything she could to preserve his life, even to the point of betraying, ultimately, Voldemort and uniting with Harry. Not really uniting, but you know, not letting Harry's secret that he was alive, you know, be betrayed. And so I found all of that just so, and and Voldemort couldn't understand that. Why is Lucius not fighting? Because, because he's yeah. got his son now. He's, he's got a son. son. Yeah. Whom hey, um, <laughs> I'm home. Did we hit all uh, five parts? Yes. Cool. Awesome. Good luck editing this. Oh, shit. All right, everybody. Have a good day. Audio. Thanks, everyone. And this part of the show is my concluding unscientific postscript. I want to make a couple comments real quick. Alchemy has a bad reputation because of the 1800s. Now, what do I mean by this? The 1800s were a time of growth of weird-ass cults. And a lot of those weird-ass cults took the imagery of alchemy, because alchemy is weird as hell. And they took a lot of the symbols and imagery of alchemy, and they incorporated it into their weird-ass cults so the predecessor to the guy Anton LaVey who started um, the or Alistair Crowley and and, yeah Anton LaVey Alistair Crowley and and one other guy who started the you know Church of Satan and all that stuff they use all these images that were common images in Egypt in Mesopotamia in iconography in all this stuff and they uh, use them for the satanic church so we have all these images borrowed directly from things like alchemy which looks a lot like magic uh spelt with a j uh or a ck they use these things because they're trying to imbue their stupid cults with uh with these with these like oh yeah this stuff is uh, these uh, uh esoteric myths and all this stuff alchemy was a science people would go to the local alchemist Right, in order to get medicine because they were the only people who were mixing chemicals around to make medicines, right? And so one of the funny things, f- they made dyes. They invented, uh, uh, they refined the process of making glass for their experiments. Eventually, it is through their work that the scientific method would become a thing. But because it wasn't a thing, this way of doing experiments and testing hypotheses so that they could be uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? So that, uh, maximally falsifiable. That's it. There we go words are hard um what they would do because there wasn't a scientific method they all practice this alone isolated they spread their books to each other if or books were handed on to other alchemists or picked up by alchemists but they did not have a community of scientists they didn't have universities and they wouldn't because of the way it was done now the i just want to return to that one thing that uh salve at coagula um the reason why that was, I mean, you can imagine why that would be important to J.K. Rowling, where she wrote a book called The Philosopher's Stone, and that was the motto of medieval philosophers, and it becomes this, you know, 327 million copies sold. She became a, richer than the queen. So you start to think about this. The Bas- Bayomet, Basfum, Bas- the, the Basfamette character, whatever it is, was invented as a mockery of Mohammed, which the French called Mohammed. And it was behomet, right? And it was a French thing to mock it. In the 1800s, it was invented. Then in the middle of the 1800s, one of these, like, predecessors of the Church of Satan slapped a goat head on it. And then, like, in the 1900s, they put those salve et coagula on its arms. That was not a thing that existed in the Middle Ages. They didn't worship this thing. It wasn't a thing that existed. So now that it is for 100 years, 150 years, whatever, a thing that exists, people are very quick to see things like this. And I was. I was like, "Ah, oh, crap, to see things like this and then discount everything. So that was my little. I'm not defending alchemy. I'm just saying that there was this thing called alchemy. They didn't think they were doing magic as in demonic sorcery, right? They thought they were doing what Christ wanted them to do. Yes, it's weird. Yes, we wouldn't do it today. But... Uh, Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Hopefully you will not troll me. God bless.